0: We are starting a new series. We are done with The Unlocked. I hope you guys have unlocked some stuff. Are you guys passionate? Do you want God's potential, God's power, God's peace? I heard a lot of people had God's peace last week. It was amazing. Uh, but we're moving on to something I, I, I think, I'm excited about this one. We're going to go through verses you can't live without. What are some things in this world that you can't live without. Come on, shout out to me. Did I hear beer? (laughs) Some guys are all, yeah. (laughs) What what else? Cell phones, job, water. (laughs) Water. (laughs) Air, air, air. yeah, phones, car, all that. There are things that we can't survive. We're not going to be survivor men in the forest, whatever. We're not Bear grills, right? We have technology that's like, whoa, I can't live without that. I really believe there should be verses in your life you can't live without. The whole Bible is awesome, incredible, right? The whole Bible itself. But there should be verses that you stand upon, that there's truth, that there's God's revelation in your mind, and there's actually a, a, the, um, the revelation of what God thinks about you through his word. Because here's the thing, there's lies out there, isn't there? There's the world bombarding you with, you're not worthy. You can't do it. You might have an idea that God doesn't care about you or he hates you. That is lies. And if we flood ourselves with the truth, if we have verses in our hearts, it actually says time and time again in the Bible, write the word of God where? On your heart, actually on your mind. It's like write it there, memorize it, know what the truth is. Remember Jesus when he fought Satan? Did he fight Satan with fireballs and flying in the air and going, I'm going to get you. When he was fasting for 40 days, you know what he fought the devil with? The Word of God. The devil would throw something at him, and you know what he threw back? Scriptures. Verses. And I'm going to say this, if it's good enough for Jesus, good enough for us. And I really believe when Pastor Carl was saying, you know what, God was silent. And sometimes He is, and it's hard. And all we have is our faith. You know what else we have? The Word of God. I know this is an iPad, but this is my Word of God is. Hold up your Word of God right now. Come on. Cell phone, iPad, paper, I don't care. Hold it up. Do you read it? Do you own it? Is it written on your heart? Do you have a plan? and go, you know what? I need to memorize. I need a handful of scriptures. And I hope, here's my hope that we argue about this, that we go through the whole series and you're like, Tom, you forgot about that scripture or Carl, you didn't bring that scripture. You know why? Because there's thousands of them. There's thousands of good scriptures because here's the thing. I know that God has spoken personally to you about a verse and it's your verse personally from God. That's the rhema of God. When God gives you a word, you didn't just read it and someone handed it to you, you should read this. You actually know in your heart, wow, God actually showed me something that it's a personal thing. You should have more verses that we're gonna share. But this morning, I'm gonna share two huge, monster verses that I think should be in your toolkit as far as the verses you can't live without. These verses are so huge because of one thing. They tell you what God, what Jesus did for you. What did Jesus do? He gave us life. He died on the cross for us. We were forgiven of sin. We were set free. We get to worship God in His presence. Wasn't worship pretty powerful this morning? Come on. Singing holy God, that you actually stand, you get to stand before God, the Holy Father, Holy Jesus, and just proclaim His name on high. That's just, that's an incredible thing. And these verses, I'm gonna say them. John 3.16, anybody? Anybody? (laughs) Do you know John 3.16? you should. (laughs) It's like one of the most famous verses in the world. And Ephesians 2.8. Anybody love Ephesians 2.8? I love Ephesians 2.8 because when I first became a Christian when I was eight, my Auntie Patty, who was a Christian, devout, awesome Christian, she handed me two things. She handed me a cassette because I got saved in the 70s. (laughs) Bottom line. She gave me a cassette of Keith Green. Anybody a Keith Green fan? Keith Green, a piano player, just awesome. And then she gave me this, and it wasn't a physical thing. She said, read Ephesians 2:8," And you know what I've been remembering for the, for the last 30-something years in my life? Ephesians 2:8. Just love that verse. And we're going to read it, and you might know it, but these are key monster verses in the Word of God. And um, let's turn there. Let's turn to John 3. I have to do something to my iPad because it's turning off on me. Let's turn to John 3. And I want to talk about the whole chapter. But I want to specifically, of course, focus on John 3 16. The most important, the most, probably the most famous, arguably in the world uh, scripture. Why? Anybody, In N Out fans? Yeah. In N Out? Double double? Woo! That's what I eat. Yeah. I gain five pounds every time I go to California because of In N Out. Thank you. Because I go every day. Give me a double double. Fresh onions, fresh cut fries. And verses. A- animal style, right? You know what, what I'm talking about. On the bottom of your cup, what do you see? John 3.16. Just a real simple. John 3.16. Um, anybody shop at Forever 21? I don't know this by personal experience, but I, thank God, I, I, I do have a men's section. On the back, John 3.16. Any football fans out there? You see the guys? Yay, Patriots. And what do you see? John 3.16. There was a famous guy who did start doing this in the 80s. Um, he just had a rainbow Afro wig on, and he would just just have the sign John 3.16. And what he wanted to do was, you would see that on the screen, and you go, what is that from? Oh, it may be from the Bible, and you would look it up. Because what it was, in a nutshell, was the gospel. It was so powerful in two lines. It's the gospel right there. Bow fans, anybody? Okay, anybody know the John 3.16 game? when he actually miraculously won the game by passing 316 yards. And average, every pass that he uh, passed averaged 31.6 yards. It was a miracle, an anointing from God that they won that game. And I'm not sure, I'm gonna ask God, what was up with the John 3.16 game? What was going on with that, God? I just want people to know John 3.16. It's famous. And what does it say? Well, let's read it. John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We can look at this and go, thank you, Jesus. I mean, this this is so embedded with truth, so embedded with the gospel. Gospel means the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me just break it down here. Right? For God loved the world. Couldn't you just stop there? God loved the world because a lot of us, you know what the lie is and what we think the truth is? God hates us. God doesn't care. God is silent. God is not there. Right here, bottom line, for God loved the world. And did He he just like it? Did He love it? Actually, you know what? He loved it so much, which means He loves us a lot. A lot more than we can ever imagine. How much did He love us? He gave His only Son. Any parents out there? Who's a parent? I've been a Christian, like I said, from the 70s. But I think my Christianity, like I almost got born again, then I got born again, again, when my kids are born. when my kids are born, I witness a miracle. Come on, right? We witnessed a miracle. And when I went to the NICU, and my, my, my kids were premature, so they had to stay in the NICU for a little bit, and I remember visiting my kids. I was so excited to see my kids. i was like, yes, thank you, Lord. And I remember going and writing for the first time my name, and it says relationship with those, the children, and I wrote dad. And I was like savoring writing dad. I was like, D, A. I was like tearing up, A, you know? And it, it, was, it was just hitting me. Just the responsibility, the blessing, the everything. That I would never give these kids up. No way. I would protect them. I would fight for them. I have a daughter, by the way. I'm going to look into shotguns and whatever it is. You know, I, right? Come on. I just had this, just, just like, oh, man, awesome. You know what hit me at that moment? Of what God went through when he sent Jesus to us. when He actually gave up his son it hit me so strong like wow that's what god did gave that's how much god loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone that's a big word by there by the way everyone is it the select few is it the holy ones that memorize the bible and know the bible inside out is it the ones that are pastors or just leaders no every single one of us anyone everyone is included in this who believes, that's all you gotta do is believe. And what will happen if that, if you do that? You will not perish. That's another word to to stop. You will not die. You won't die physically, you will not die spiritually. You will live an eternal life with Jesus Christ. In a nutshell, in just this small verse, this powerful verse, You can hand to someone that doesn't know Jesus and go, hey, read John 3.16. This is the gospel. That is the word of God. This is what God thinks about you. And you know what? This is what God did about it. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you so that you won't die, that you will live forever with him. Such a great verse. But I think I want to give you a little bit, even more of a deeper understanding of John 3.16. Put John 3.16 in the chapter 3 of John. And actually read it. Because a lot of us, maybe some of us, have know John 3.16 from like a bookmark that someone gave us, like John 3.16, or we saw it like somewhere. And a lot of us have, have never put it into context. And I want you to make sure that you put it into context. A lot of the verses that we give you throughout this series, I hope you put it into context of where it was, who wrote it, why he wrote it, what happened, because you know why? It, the, the, the verse will explode in its meaning to you. And I think this verse has way more meaning than what it just says, which is great. But it has way more meaning. Here's a couple things. Here's one thing: if you put in the context, John three sixteen is. Did you know Jesus himself said it? That's a question. Did you know? Did you know John three? You can actually look at this verse because Jesus himself is talking to the third person, right? For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. He didn't say, me. But Jesus said it Himself in a personal meaning. The whole scenario of chapter 3 is this. This man, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. He was a priest. He was well-respected. He came to Jesus, and he had questions. He was looking at Jesus. He was wondering what's going on with this guy. Is he the Messiah? Is he not? He's doing some really weird things, doing these miracles. I need to know what's up with this guy. So Nicodemus came to Jesus and asked some questions. Was going, what's, who are you? And Jesus, in this conversation, explained himself to Nicodemus. And in the conversation, said one of the greatest verses in the Bible, John 3.16. And the reason why I think this is very important is because it's a believable, incredible source. It's the greatest source, it's himself. I mean, if you take out the third person of this verse, let's read it without the third person. For my father, father that I've known, that I know his heart, the father that speaks to me, loved the world so much. And that in in itself, believe me, my father loves the world so much. So much why? Because he sent me. He sent me, the Messiah, his son, to do what? To set the captives free. To see the blind healed. To announce that the time of the Lord's favor has come. To actually die on the cross. He couldn't say that because it hasn't happened yet to Nicodemus. This is before that happened. But basically, for me to die on the cross, to give up my life, to shed my blood, so that people will be free of sin and death and adopted as children of God. That's why he sent me. So that whoever believes in me, the one who he sent will have eternal life, not perish. I think that's huge if you put it in Jesus's perspective. I think that's huge. The other thing I think you should know about this verse and put it into context is that he met with who? Nicodemus, right? He he met with one person. He wasn't preaching to the masses. I think this is a big point. He he didn't didn't pull this out of the Sermon on the Mount going, wow, that awesome verse is from when he preached the 5,000 and the 3,000 and people were coming around and he's healing people. It was this one-on-one conversation that he had with someone that was seeking answers. And he gave him answers. He gave him this verse that we read, that we know, that we love. I think that is huge because it's this this moment where Nicodemus had a personal experience with the Messiah. He had this one-on-one conversation. And you know what happened? I believe it changed his life. And we're gonna actually talk about him later at the end of the sermon. But it changed his life. And I love that because of this fact. One of the most gratifying things I do as as a pastor uh, ever, ever since I even started volunteering back in the, the the 80s as a as a 16 year old person that ran a mini church really horribly with this guy Carl over here, we were bad mini church shepherds, by the way. We were, we, we would I don't I think sometimes we didn't show up. I think we were surfing sometimes, <laughs> and you know, our 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 sheep were waiting for us to come. I don't even know what my point was on that, but we one of the, the the most gratifying things that I've had was that. People would come to Jesus, have an experience with him, and their lives were changed. And I love that because I would see, I see people in in the crowd right now that their lives were changed because you had a personal, you didn't just come to church and sit with the crowd. You had a meeting with the Savior, Whether, whether it was through worship or through a teaching. He showed you something and your lives were changed. I've seen drug addicts walk in here and walk out free from the vices. I've seen marriages walking in here broken, on the brink of divorce. And they would be saved. By the way, we have some pastors on staff right now that experienced that. They walked in with broken marriages and now they have wonderful marriages because they had a personal experience with the, with the living Lord. That's a huge thing that you should know. And we work at Hope Chapel, Kanye Bay. You know, our first value is connect to God, isn't it? We work so hard the worship, the many churches, the preaching. Why? So that you can have an interaction, a personal experience with Jesus Christ. That you won't just come to church and sit in the crowd, and just go, okay, I'll just stand back and check it out. That at one point, that it wouldn't be Jesus over there and you over here. Oh yeah, those guys, cool. At one point, we hope and we pray that you would come face to face with the Savior and you know how much He loves you and what He can do in your life. That's what we want, this personal contact. I think that's another huge thing. The third thing I wanna share with you, if you put this in the context of this scripture of, of John chapter three is this. Jesus met Nicodemus where he was at. And what I mean by that is, he went to Nicodemus's level. He said the things That Nicodemus could understand. And I I think that's important because isn't isn't that the way Jesus comes to us? I mean, when I was a junior higher, I gave my life to the Lord. I really said, I I give my life. And I had an experience that Jesus actually met me where I was at. Where Where was I? Puberty. I was looking for friends. I was looking for acceptance. And the experiences that I had with Jesus, he met me where I was at. And I want to tell you one thing. He wants to meet you where you're at. And how did he meet Nicodemus? Well, Nicodemus, like I said, he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were jealous of Jesus. They actually wanted to arrest Jesus because Jesus was taking all their people. They're taking all their their followers and everyone's following Jesus. like, ah, we don't like this guy. Let's get rid of him. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And so when he came to Jesus, if you actually read chapter three, did he come to Jesus in the daytime? He came to Jesus in the dark of night. I have to guess, Nicodemus didn't want anyone to see him. He's like, uh, oh, there's a Pharisee, oh, okay. Okay, I'm gonna come to Jesus. He came at night and he snuck in, knocked on Jesus' door. You know what the most amazing thing is? Jesus welcomed him in and had a conversation and listened to him, listened to his questions, listened to you know, whatever he had to say and then Jesus would share. He met Nicodemus where he was at. Jesus went so far even to talk about the Old Testament because he was a priest. He was a Pharisee. He knew all the stories of of Moses and the people of Israel when the Red Sea parted and they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they entered the promised land. They knew all of these things, all the stories of the prophets and the kings. Nicodemus knew all this stuff. And so Jesus actually referred in the middle of of this conversation, he referred to Moses. And he said this incredible story. It's the time when they were in the wilderness before they came into the promised land. And in the wilderness, the people complained. Any complainers about, out there? You're not going to admit it. But they're complaining. They're complaining to God. They're going, God, where are you? You're not doing anything. What's going on? And in that they sinned. They were like complaining against God. They're rebelling against him. They were complaining against Moses. And so what God did was He sent snakes to bite them. Poisonous snakes to bite the people that were rebelling against God so that they would die. And you're going, whoa, that's heavy. God sent snakes to bite them. And here's the one thing I know about this verse that I I look at that and go, you know what? God takes sin seriously. He's serious about sin. He can't stand it. He wants to get rid of it. He, doesn't, he, can't, he can't have sin in his presence. So he did that. But actually, if you look back and go, wait a minute, that's, that's exactly why he sent Jesus. Because he took sin seriously. So he sent Jesus Christ. He had this incredible plan that we would be saved from all of that. But in this story, he sent the, the snakes, and they were biting people. And people were dying a slow, painful death. And the people who are still living came to Moses. Moses, can you pray to God? Can you pray to God to heal us? We are so sorry. Please, can you do something? And if you actually go to Numbers, Numbers 21, verse eight, it says this, this is what God told Moses. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of, out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at it, at the bronze snake, and be healed. Isn't that an amazing story? I mean, anybody, basically, he put this bronze pole and he had a snake on, a bronze snake on there. And he said, anybody? If you got bitten by a snake? All you gotta do is look at it. And God says, you will be healed. And I pictured this in my brain many times when I heard this scripture. I imagined the person that didn't look. I imagined the person that got bit and was sitting in his tent and was mad at God and was in rebellion. And it's like, I don't like God. He doesn't care about me. He put us in this desert and we can't, there's no promised land. And imagine the guy in agony, he's in pain and he's, just, he's angry and he refused to look. Moses, all "All you got to do is look. All you got to do is look. Nope, nope, nope. And then he died. That was it. Then I imagine the person that actually was going through the same thing. Oh, God's not there. God doesn't love us. He doesn't care. We're in this wilderness. All you got to do is look. God said, look, and you'll be healed. Okay. You know what? I'll give it a shot. Give it a shot. And in his pain, on, on the verge of dying, he would just turn. Look at the pole. Look at the snake. And it wasn't the snake or the pole that healed him. It was his faith in God. And all he had to do was look. And then he was healed. Man, that's so amazing. And when we go back to John 3, this is what it says. If you actually go to John 14, two verses right before Here's Jesus in conversation with Nicodemus, and he says this. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I don't know about you guys, but that takes John 3.16 to a whole nother level, doesn't it? That all we have to do is look to the cross and we are saved. All we have to do is look to the cross and we are healed and set free. I think that's such a powerful statement. And Jesus met Nicodemus where he was at. And I really believe this. I don't know, I can't prove it. You can talk to Nicodemus when we get to heaven. Hey Nicodemus, hey Nick. How was that conversation? What were you thinking? I, I almost think that he's like, he would look at Jesus and go, dude, I, I get it. I get it. I believe why you are here. My questions are answered. And we're going to talk about them later, but I want to share the second verse I want to share with you guys tonight, uh, today. Ephesians 2.8. What a great verse. Let's turn there. Ephesians 2.8. The real, reason why I want to share Ephesians 2.8 is because I believe John 3.16 And Ephesians 2.8 are two verses that complement each other. They go so well with each other. And let's read it. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Now, you're going, what? that's a cool verse. That's not as huge as I thought it was. It's like, it's so short and so, you know, Wow, that's it? I want to tell you, this is a monster verse. Because what is it saying? God saved you by what? His grace. What does grace mean? Thank you, Konani. Unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. Can I put it in this way? Favor you don't deserve. Do we deserve God's favor? You know what we deserve? Death. In Romans it says, the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. And God gave us undeserved favor. And it was a gift. And the reason why I believe that these verses complement each other is because John 3.16 tells us why Jesus came. Why God sent him. Because he loved the world so much and he wants us to have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8 says, how? How is he going to do it? How is he going to save us? by His undeserved favor upon us, by the grace of the Lord. Actually, let me make it a little clearer. If you you go two verses up to Ephesians 2, 6, it says this. Now, I know you might not understand it, but I'll make my point. For He raised us from the dead, for God raised us from the dead along with Christ, and this main word here, and seated us with Him in the, the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. By God's grace, by his undeserved favor, we get to sit, this is what it's saying, with God. We get to be in his presence. We get to sit at the table of the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. I don't know about you, but that's grace. That's undeserved favor. How many guys have ever been to a party or a dinner that you thought, how did I get here? I don't deserve like whether it's celebrities or rich people and you're going what am i doing here when i was i think i'm in my 20s carl actually invited me to like this thing uh, with pastor wayne cadero that's right i'm throwing that name out pastor big time wayne cadero of new hope he started new hope and uh and pastor ralph pastor ralph was there And so it was Pastor Wayne Gidero and his family and his kids. It was uh, Pastor Ralph with Carl. And then there was me. (laughs) And they had some house they were renting. It was like this mansion in Hawaii Kai. And there was like jet skis. And there was jacuzzis and food. And I remember sitting in the jacuzzi going, why am I here? (laughs) It's like, how did I get here? That was like the undeserved favor of Carl Moore. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I got to experience that. And that's what it is. We get to sit with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I think that's so important. Let's go back to Nicodemus. I believe Nicodemus, like I said, met with Jesus and his life was changed forever. I believe that Nicodemus, without even knowing the verses because verses didn't exist back then. He believed the why and he believed the how of Jesus Christ. He believed that he came to save us and he believed that, I believe, that Nicodemus knew that by God's grace, it was going to be this covering of grace, this undeserved favor that he would be saved. Now, there's no, there's no extended history or recorded history of Nicodemus further beyond this point. I mean, we, re- we read about Paul, we read about Peter and the great things they did for the Lord and, and um, the miracles that they did and, and going on doing mission trips and telling the whole world about Jesus. There's not much said about Nicodemus after this meeting, but there's only two instances. But you know what? These two instances actually say a lot about him. And that's why I believe that meeting with Jesus, that personal interaction with him changed his life forever. And this is this is what happened let's let's take a look in john 7 further down four chapters after john 3 obviously the leading priests were coming together the pharisees they're fed up with jesus they're absolutely fed up they're taking they're taking our people he's doing all these miracles let's get rid of him. let's get them arrested so they're they're making a plan they're going Let's. what what can we do about this In the midst of this discussion, here's Nicodemus sitting with them. And at this point, he already met with Jesus. He heard Jesus. He heard why he was here. And I believe he understood. And in the middle of the conversation, uh, Nicodemus speaks up in John 7, verse 51. He says, Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? Is it legal to do that before we hear this man Jesus out? I believe Nicodemus stuck his neck out at that point. His whole, all of his peers wanted to get rid of him. And he was the lone believer in the crowd. He said, is that right? Is that right to convict him before we even listen to him? Because I I think in the back of his mind, he's saying, because I heard him. I heard what he had to say. And you know what? It's good. You know what happened to him? He got shut down. 52, it says, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. They like shut him up. Like, what, what, you a follower too? You like this Jesus? Why don't you go join him? Because we're going to arrest him. He got shut down. Let's fast forward in John 19. In John 19, it's a heavy, heavy chapter. It's because that's when Jesus died. Gave up his life. He was whipped and tortured and put the crown of thorns on him. He was bloodied. He had to carry his own cross. Outside of Jerusalem. He put the nails in his hands and he nailed them to the cross and they put him up. And he hung there for hours. It's a slow death. They pierced his side. He proclaimed, it is finished, and he passed, he died. And I think this is a beautiful picture because here's Nicodemus. They said they took his body down, and who was there? There was one other believer, and there was Nicodemus right there. what did they do? They wrapped Jesus' body up, and they prepared his body. They put the oils and whatever it was they needed to put him into the tomb. They prepared Jesus' body for burial. I mean, imagine this scene. The Pharisees were probably standing there. The other Pharisees were probably standing there. And you know what they're doing? They're gloating. Like, yeah, we finally won. We got rid of Jesus. We did exactly what we wanted to do. Ha, ha, ha. It's over. There's Nicodemus, risking his career, risking his standing in the council taking care of Jesus and his death. And the one picture I don't know if this happened or not, I just kind of, I I think about it. I wonder if Nicodemus stood there while Jesus was on the cross. This This is a heavy moment. He looked at Jesus on the cross and he remembered that conversation he had with him. As Moses lifted up the pole. As Moses lifted the pole, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And Nicodemus would look at Jesus and he's lifted up and he's looking at the pole. And at that moment, he was saved and healed. And Nicodemus risked his whole career to wrap him up and take care of him. I think that's such an incredible thing because I think... For a lot of us, we can't relate to Peter. We can't relate to Paul or the other apostles because they did such great things for the Lord. They, they, they did these incredible things that, wow, I'm never going to do. But I think a lot of us relate to Nicodemus because in our workplace or in our, with our friends, we have to stick our neck out for Jesus sometimes. And we have to defend him and, and, and go, you know what, this is what I believe. And you know what that's okay that's pretty cool because nicodemus his life was changed for he had a personal experience with the savior and for many of you guys you've experienced that already you've experienced the personal experience with him and your life was changed amen your life was changed for some of you you might be still seeking maybe you're nicodemus when you met with jesus in the dark you're like okay i'm gonna check out this church this hope chapel thing and okay and you came in worship and you're hearing my words and maybe something happened to you maybe something you're like you know what i want to give this a shot i want to give jesus a shot maybe it's your first time maybe you don't even know and you're like well this is brand new and i want that i want that life-saving forgiving thing that jesus does for me or maybe you're coming back maybe you walked away from jesus for a while and you're like going you know what i want to I want to rededicate my life right now because you know what, that's, I today, and maybe even the weeks that I've been coming, I have personally met with my Savior, and I want to officially give my life over to Him. So this morning, I want to actually pray for you. Can we bow our heads and pray? If you're that person that we just talked about, that you've never officially said, Jesus, I believe in you. Right? It says that, for whoever believes will have eternal life and not perish. For whoever believes. Well, what this is, is just a statement that you believe in Jesus. You believe He died on the cross for you. You believe that He did an amazing thing because of that. And now you want to give your life to Him. You want to dedicate your life or rededicate it. If that's you, I wanna say a prayer with you right now. Take this opportunity to say this prayer with me. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and under your breath, you say it like it's your own words to God himself. But before we do that, I wanna do one thing. I want, I want you to just tell me, I just wanna know. And actually, I think it's a step of faith that you would actually, by telling me, raising your hand, that you would say, God, I, I agree to this, I agree. To become a Christian, to become born again. To be a follower of, of you. So I'm going to count to three, and just by raising your hand on three, you're telling me, yeah, I want to pray with you. So here we go. One, two, three. Anybody here? Come on, just raise your hand. Anybody here? Just raise your hand real high. I want to just, We got one, we got two, we got three, we got four, anybody else? Five, anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Got six, awesome, anybody else? Awesome, incredible. Oh, we got two more, awesome, awesome, one more. Okay, cool. Hey, just take this step of faith. Jesus loves you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? Incredible, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing that. All right, put your hands down. All right, why don't you say this prayer with me? Just under your breath. Actually, you know what, can we do something? Can we all, right now, just join me? I want, so we can make them feel comfortable by saying this prayer, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that I am forgiven of sin. That you have given me new life. And because of that, I proclaim that you are my Lord and my Savior. My king and my friend, I am a Christian, born again. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. amen. All right, come on.